0: all right good morning everybody welcome to sierra bible church Truckee. if i haven't met you my name is marley i am on staff here at sbc we are so happy you're here with us this morning if this is your first time visiting us we do have a little info card in the seat back in front of you just has some information about who we are what we believe and just different ways for you guys to get plugged in Um, We do have a couple announcements for you this morning. This coming Friday is our Passover feast. If you have not registered for that, you can head on over to our app and get registered. We have about 16 spots left, so there is still some room if you guys are thinking about coming to that. And there is um, child care next door for that if you have little kiddos with you. So yeah, please join us for that. It's going to be really awesome. We have Zach and Laura leading us through that, and it'll just be a really sweet and special time taking a look at the passover together and then following that we have our good friday and our easter services good friday will obviously be on that friday before easter that's april 7th at 6 p.m here and again we do have children's church for that as well so feel free to bring the whole family we have that for everybody here and then sunday morning easter will be on that 9th and that's um, our regular services eight thirty and 10 30. And next week, we will have little cards for you guys if you want to hand those out to invite people here to just celebrate Easter with us together. Um, Coming up at the beginning of April as well, we have our next Ladies' Night. That'll be on Monday, April 3rd, next door from 6 to 8 p.m. So we'd love to have you join us for that, ladies. Um, You can head on over to our app and just register for that as well just so we can get an accurate headcount for food and craft supplies for that. But please join us. And then we have one more announcement. We actually have Will with us here this morning. He's the director for Young Life in our area. So he's going to share a little bit about that with you.
1: Thanks, Marley. Thanks, guys. Hey, good morning. Um, So, like Marley said, my name is Will, and I'm the area director for Tahoe Truckee Young Life. Um, And before I even get started, I just want to say thank you to Sierra Bible Church. There are many of you uh, in this congregation that have been volunteers with us before, been on staff before. Um, You have supported us with with giving financially, and you support us in prayer. Um, And our ministry would not be where it is today without you, without your help. And so, um, if you're unfamiliar with Young Life, basically... How it started was there was a church in Texas, and there was a pastor of that church, and they had a youth director of that church as well, and his name was Jim, and the pastor said to Jim, hey Jim, listen, we are good. I can hold down the fort here with our youth group. We get about 20, 25 kids a week to come to youth group, but there's a high school four blocks down the street, and there are about 400 teenagers there that have no idea who God is and how much he loves them, so we need to figure out how to talk to them. So Jim basically took that as a challenge, and that has been the mission of Young Life ever since. This has been over 80 years in ministry of Young Life, and it's worldwide. And he went to the schools, and he went to football practices, and he went to musical theater plays to support kids on their turf and to go befriend them and come alongside them and help mentor them through life and answer life's big questions and tell them that they're important and that they matter. And that they're here for a reason and so i'm here today to give just a a quick announcement just to say hey we have opportunities in young life we have staff position openings we have volunteer position openings too so if you're in this crowd or you know someone that uh that is in your circle of influence that could be a mentor for kids someone that would love to come alongside kids pick up a high schooler after school and take them to coffee and ask them how their day was going Maybe lead a small group of kids in a Bible study and just tell them the gospel and help them understand that they're here for a reason that they matter. Maybe you just want to, uh, maybe you're stirred in your heart to say, hey, I love Jesus. I've got a little bit of extra free time. I'd love to come alongside our youth here in the local community. This could be something for you. So we have opportunities. And the big thing that I want to announce today is on the last slide that the, that the sound crew will show, is we have a big leader interest night. Just mark this in your calendars. It's free food. I forgot to mention this at the first service, so if you guys see anybody in the first service, please mention. We have a leader interest night. It's gonna be at our location in Incline Village. um, And it's gonna be at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, April 16th. Sunday, April 16th, 5.30 p.m. If not even becoming a leader, there's no strings attached. Don't feel like you have to commit to anything. But come and eat, at least eat some food. We'll feed you, and we'll talk about Young Life and what we're doing um, locally with kids right now. So if you can picture yourself being a part of this mission, if you can picture yourself joining the team, we already have volunteer leaders. We already have staff. We're still looking for a few more positions. If that would be something for you or something that um, that it, it would be for someone in your circle of influence, please don't hesitate to reach out to me as well. I'm going to leave a few of these flyers in the back. You may have already seen them at the missions table, but there are two QR codes on here. You just pull the camera out on your phone, scan this, and it'll take you to a website. The top QR code tells you about our jobs that are available, our positions that are available, and then the bottom QR code is information on being a volunteer leader. It's got my contact info at the bottom, my email, my cell phone number. Don't hesitate to reach out. If you have questions, if you have recommendations of someone else, hey, I think I know someone who'd be great for this, we're always open for conversation. So I'll be here at the end of service. If you have any questions and would like to come say hi, we'd appreciate it, and thank you guys so much for having us. Thanks. Good morning.
2: Well, we're glad you are here. Very thankful. I'm always thankful when people show up on a Sunday. Uh, It would sure not be a good sunday if you weren't here so want to welcome you my name is jesse and uh as uh, it's been mentioned we do have easter coming up in fact i'll just uh, also remind you on your way out if you have a place of business or if you have a, a place of business that you frequent on a regular basis we have some little posters uh tabloid size posters about yay big we we'll just encourage you to hang them up grab a few of those and hang them up where you can maybe ask the owners of your uh a uh, place that you frequent. Hey, could I hang one of these up just to kind of get the word out? Of course, we'll have all of that on social media, and um, and that's there. So share all of that. But uh, as you know, Easter is kind of a big deal for us uh, as a as a church and for our faith. Everything kind of hinges on did Jesus resurrect or did he not? And if he resurrected then there is no option but to worship him and to give him your entire life. If he did not resurrect from the dead, the Bible actually says you're to be pitied. You're, you're one of the, the, the saddest people there is out there in the world. So we believe, obviously, in the resurrection, yeah? Okay. If <laughs> we believe in the resurrection, yeah. yeah. No, okay, okay. I just just want to make sure I'm in the right spot. Um. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, and someone invited you here, somebody asked you to come, man, they've been praying for you maybe, it's because they want you to believe in Jesus, and they want you to believe in his resurrection. And over the last uh, month, uh, other than last week, you know, we've been talking a lot uh, about service out of Romans chapter 1, and what it means to be uh, really a Christian in part, in part, is to look to Jesus who said that he came to serve and not to be served. So a big part of the gospel is sharing of our life. And and I I mentioned uh, two weeks ago that part of the reason we serve is because it draws us into community. It it draws us closer to one another. Uh, The best way to build relationships in the church is to serve with other people in the church. And so community is a big deal. And I mentioned Uh, in that series, just briefly, uh, out of uh, Peter, that we're stones, that we're living stones. And that as we are drawn together, the stones that are the church uh, are connected to the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is Jesus. He's the one that holds it all together. He's the glue. Uh, And those stones, we're being built upon, the church is being built upon Christian upon Christian. Uh, Meaning that that we don't, right, the building is here to serve a purpose, but the building isn't a means to itself. We're here, uh, this is a place where saints gather together to be encouraged in their faith, to be strengthened in their faith, uh, and to be reminded of the importance of God's word and what we think about God. What we think about God truly matters because what we think about God inevitably will come out in the way that we live. And so we want to make much of who God is. And so this morning what I wanted to do uh, in part, uh, based off something Brad Beers said, Brad preached last week, and I, I had asked him to, uh, to do a, a, a topical message, and I said, hey, maybe you could do something on service or whatever, and, and he said, I, I got it, I got my message, I know what I want to preach, and so uh, he, he didn't mention it to me, and then I preached last week, and then he came in the office, and he said, you preached my message, and so he had to come up with one a new one, which is not, not my problem, <laughs> it feels really good when it's not my problem. Um, but I decided because he wanted to actually preach out of this passage, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I was looking at it just in our conversation, I thought, you know, I think I want to build on that. I want to build on community. We have a good community here. Uh, I think God has been really gracious that uh, he has allowed our church to have these little pockets of community. I don't think they're cliques. You can only get to know so many people, but those of you who have found connections, you've, you've, Uh, you have found love you found acceptance i I can't help but think of you know whether it's mike's mags groups or mike's bible study uh, who who oversees our men's ministry or uh, the women's ministry that tammy and her team is so great at or even the marriage group that kind of just spontaneously grew out of uh, zach and laura's home and those of you who are newly married and i know some of that group some of you are having children uh, and we'll talk about that here in a moment Um, And that's just kind of the ebbs and flow. But I'm just thankful that God has created that community. And inevitably, kind of as Christians, those of us who have made that proclamation of faith, I think we have two obligations in regards to our faith. One of those obligations, and and you hear it a lot here, uh, Will just shared it, we want to propagate the gospel. We want the gospel to go out to as many people as possible. The message of forgiveness the message that Jesus is God, and that he came to dwell amongst us, that we would know him, love him, he would love us, we would have peace. But then the other side of propagating the gospel, that we have an obligation to defend the gospel. There are heresies everywhere. There are churches who teach things that are not biblical, they're extra biblical. And we're not going to point fingers, there's some heresy and doctrines and things like that. But we're in a culture that is pressing against Christianity and what they would deem our conservative views. And I would say as a church, we're not so concerned about our conservative views as we are about worshiping Jesus. We happen to have what the world calls conservative views because we're in a relationship with Jesus. And those conservative views have a tendency to be more life-giving. And you're evidence of that, those of you who are here. So we have, remember, just to connect everything we've been going through, if you are a regular here, we went through the Gospel of Mark. And we learned in the Gospel of Mark a true picture of who Jesus is. And you remember, Peter walked with Jesus. Peter was the guy who made a lot of mistakes. But the Lord redeemed Peter. Peter had all of these stories of Jesus, all of these eyewitness testimonies he encountered with Jesus. And he gave those stories to Mark, And Mark wrote the gospel, which is essentially Peter's gospel. And in there, if you remember, we we saw that Mark ends very abruptly. And the reason that's so important that Mark ends abruptly is because Peter understands the persecution of the church. That gospel was written to a church that was being persecuted. Literally, they were being dragged before uh, the throngs of crowds that they would be killed in the lion's den and made a spectacle of. That's what they lived under. So he preaches this good news, and he refuses he refuses in Mark to end it with any kind of special like blessing, if you will. It seems to almost be missing something, and that's why some of those other verses are added later. But the reality is, is that what he's intending to do is he's letting the church know that Jesus doesn't necessarily get rid of your persecution. Jesus doesn't get rid of your pain. Jesus doesn't get rid of those things. He walks with you in those things so you're not alone in them. And he can take those things and he can redeem those things. And he can use all of your mistakes and all of the things that you've ever done that were considered unholy or sinful, which is to miss the mark. And he can use them to mature you, to bring you into real health. And so now we pick up in Peter, that's where I want you to turn this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2 and if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. One of the guys, they're waiting patiently for me to get to this point. Uh, so is one of the gals. Just raise your hand, and uh, we'd love to have let you have one of our Bibles if you need to keep it, uh, or you can just borrow it. It's up to you. But turn to 1 Peter. So again, Peter <clears throat> is has written this book, and he's written it. He's written it again. He's written it to persecuted Christians. Uh, there is... Uh, there is no coincidence to the reality that Peter went through the things he went through, his mistakes and his stupidity to be humbled, to to then be used by God to encourage other Christians who are under persecution. The title of the message this morning is Gospel Community, Treasuring Jesus Together. So what I want to do, what I'm attempting to do, is to talk about the things that kill Christian community. Right? If we're church isn't built stone upon stone, but saint upon st- saint, then we should know what kind of things destroy the kind of beautiful gifts that we have in community. In addition to that, we should also take a look at what gives us life in community and how to live out that life. That's kind of where I'm headed. So let's pick up together First Peter chapter 2, and I want to make sure that we honor the Lord, and I want to also make sure that you are still awake Would you please stand with me as we read from these verses? Verse 1, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Lord, we believe with all of our might that you have given us grace, mercy, and compassion in abundance. And so you are worthy of worship, attention, and adoration, which we give to you now. And the church of Jesus said, amen. Please be seated. Okay, I want you to look at one particular piece here. Just one particular piece in this particular text to launch into our lesson this morning. Just take a look at verse 2. After kind of giving us an idea of what it means to be holy, in chapter 1, after expressing the reality that we've been chosen by God and that God has placed his love upon his people. He tells us to put away certain things, but, before, or, but, but after that, what I want you to look at is in what verse 2 says, like newborn infants, we long for spiritual milk. Let's talk identity, just for a moment. Uh, after Easter, we're going to get into Ephesians, and the, reasons, the reason we're going to get into Ephesians in part is because I, I feel like God wants me to be in Ephesians, but, but in part because Ephesians has a, a lot to say about who you are, how you identify yourself, the kind of person that you feel you are in your mind. One of the definitions of Christianity, one of the definitions of Christians is that we would be like children. Man, I, I don't know about you, but like, like I envy kids. To a certain degree. To a certain degree. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. I, was, I went next door in between the services at Children's Church, and a couple parents uh, left their kids there, because that's kind of a habit some of you have. And, um, and so I'm hanging out over there, and I can't remember what this little kid's name is. He's a little boy, but he comes in, and he's waiting in the office with me and Joe, right? And Joe and I are just kind of talking, this little kid is running in circles in that room. Just endless circles, and I don't know about you, but I'm 44 years old. If I did that twice, I'm on the floor. I'm barfing, right? He's just going for it. I envy their energy. But there's something about these newborn infants. First of all, if you identify yourself as a, as a child, one of the things that you have to see that is unhealthy to, to our community are the things that children just don't have. They don't possess them. Paul, uh, Paul Peter, Peter lists five. And he literally tells us in verse 1, he says, put away these five things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And if you look closely, you could almost find a flow. He who is malicious will become deceitful. He who is deceitful becomes a hypocrite. He who is a hypocrite becomes envious of those who are true and real. And then they begin to slander others who are out there. But none of these things are to be in the Christian community. This is what Peter and Paul uh, tell us in the New Testament. Get rid of this stuff. Take it off. Kill it. Mortify it, the reformers used to say. Another way to say it is eliminate your sin. I mean, if there's something that, is, that I'm jealous of as a, of little babies, little children, is the fact that they can't sin and they are innocent. Some of you know Ben and Arian, uh, really kind of a funny story. I, I mentioned, you know, because uh, they, they've got a lot of kids. They had five kids. Five. 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 One, two, three, four, five. That's a whole hand. Five. Five kids. And then we found out they were pregnant with six and I made some joke about them having, from the pulpit, about them having twins. Guess what? <laughs> they had twins. One boy, one girl, just the other day, just a few days ago. And what's so crazy, they had it all planned out to go to the hospital. And if you know Ben, ben and Aryan, and I'm pretty sure Ben, uh, if you know him, he's got a really big beard, he's a hardworking guy, he's a patriot, you know. I'm pretty sure he was meant to live in the 1800s. Like he drives a truck, but I'm pretty sure he'd be more comfortable if it was a wagon. <laughs> right? The grocery outlet, uh, Ryan Parrish, he owns Grocery Outlet. I serve with him on the um, chief advisory board here in town, and, and he's built a relationship with Ben. And you know why? Because he gives Ben <laughs> all of the food that's expired, but not expired. One, to feed his children, and to feed his pigs and his chickens. And whatever else he owns, I think there's some giraffes out there, and it's, it's a zoo. Anyways, if you know Ben and Arian, here's what's so crazy, right? This is, I guess this happens once you've had seven children. You know, Arian went to bed at home. She intended to have the kids at the hospital, and next thing you know, she has them in her house. And it turned into a big ordeal and the babies are doing fine and they're on oxygen and they're healing and and we're doing everything we can to support them and pray for them. And they're just a wonderful part of our family. But those little babies that they have in their arms right now, those of you who have little children, those of you who have had little children, you know that babies don't possess these qualities. There's no maliciousness in them. What is maliciousness? It's ill will towards others, a desire to hurt someone, deceit is the desire to to gain through position by deceiving. It's to be fraudulent. It's to be a liar. And then he adds to that hypocrisy, which literally means to be an actor, to put a mask on. It's somebody who's fake, somebody who's not real. And if you're not real, if you're truly not somebody who's genuine and you don't share the good and the bad in your life, you just share all that's good and you're that kind of person who takes all the selfies and that's all you put on your social media is how awesome your life is. I mean, really, all social media is is a bunch of hypocrites posting things that make their lives look more beautiful than they really are. It's not real. It's not genuine. That's hypocrisy. And when you have hypocrisy, and especially if you're a Christian and you have hypocrisy, and you come into a church and you meet someone who's truly genuine re, genuine in regards to their repentance, they're not afraid to share their faith. They're not afraid to share their mistakes. But the person who is truly envious because they are a hypocrite, what do they end up doing? They slander. They speak ill of others. They speak down upon others. Now, I want you to do me a favor as you think about this little child, this little baby. I want you to go back to chapter 1, verse 18. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 18. And, and there's just a little section here that I think is really important for us to see. Verse 18. Uh, where is it? Knowing, knowing what? What are we to know? That's knowledge. This is to be in our mind, is to be grounded there, rooted there. Knowing what? That we were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. Not with perishable seed like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying you were ransomed. That's to be purchased. Purchased. You were purchased. What were you purchased Out of, what were you purchased from? Slavery to the world, slavery to sin, slavery to evil. Literally what he says in here is he says you you were ransomed, you were freed. You were freed by purchase from the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. He redeemed you away from the fruitlessness of your forefathers into the fruitfulness of your one true father. So what does this mean? How many of you, how many of you have parents that maybe weren't great parents? You don't have to raise your hand, especially if the parents are in the room, right? Now for me, you guys know, like I, every now and then when I go downtown Truckee, and I hang out at downtown Truckee, if I happen to be on that bus station side, which is kind of rare, it's not very often. I, I mean, I grew up here, so it's not really often that I go downtown Truckee to just watch downtown Truckee. It's like. That store's been there for 80 years. I don't really, okay, awesome, right? And if you're visiting and you love downtown Truckee, by all means, go there. But every now and then I'll be on that other side and I'll look at a particular bar. And above that bar is the location that my dad shot his girlfriend in the face while he was obliterated and drunk. He went to prison for the 10 years of my most formative years of my life. In fact, some of, during those 10 years, the only time I saw my dad was when I traveled to Folsom State Penitentiary, went through all the security checks, walked into a room filled with criminals to sit down to try to have some kind of relationship as a young child with my father. Every statistic will tell you that if you looked at my life and you looked at all the things that, that I've experienced, both my stepfather was in prison as well, so was my biological father. My parents were both drug addicts, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. All the statistics say that I shouldn't be standing here before you telling you about the goodness of Jesus. All the statistics say, overwhelmingly say, I should be in prison, I should be an addict, or I should be dead. But thanks be to God. He has ransomed me from the futile ways of my forefathers. So Paul says, because this is true, what he's saying in chapter two is eliminate your sin. Get rid of the things that are going to destroy gospel community. If our church is going to continue to grow to be what God desires it to be, we must become serious about mortifying the things that are not healthy for us. There shouldn't be maliciousness. There shouldn't be deceit. There shouldn't be hypocrisy or envy, wishing you were somebody else. And God forbid we ever speak ill of one of God's saints. And when I look upon this room, there's kind of a couple things that go through my mind, but, but the main primary thing that I think about is how each one of you are a beautiful expression, a beautiful expression of exactly who God is. That's why we love people. Because every one of you possess the image, the very image of who God is. You are valued by Him, you are loved by Him. And so if we're going to build this community, we say, Okay, I'm going to get rid of these things. I don't want to envy and slander. But rather look at verse two, back to First Peter. And look at verse two. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. So we just discussed, okay, you know what? We don't want to be about these things, but what do we want to be about? What builds community? What lays one saint upon another saint and Jesus being that cornerstone we build into the building that is God? What does that? Well, the first thing that we have to have is the mentality of a child, a baby. My sister was in the, uh, she was in the coffee shop. Are you in here, Lacey? Are you in the coffee shop still? Okay, I was gonna steal her baby and br- bring him on stage. Your wife did. Oh my gosh, there's always one of them. Okay, so I'm an uncle for the first time, right? First time, brand new little baby Heath. And I'm kind of reliving a little bit, a little bit of what it was to be a father to my my little kids when they were that big. One of the things uh, that that, uh, my daughter loves doing right now, she's, you know, my kids now have screen time on all their tablets, so if they get tablet time, they have to request a certain amount of time and then get the time. And Jolie, our, my, our daughter, she, she, she continually asks for permission to look at the photos on iCloud. And all that's on there on the iCloud are photos of our family. Photos and videos of our family. And she likes going back and seeing Peyton when he was a baby. And Jolie when she was a baby. And and there's this wonderful little video that we have in our old house in Glenshire. And 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 here's Peyton. I can't remember. He's probably like three years old. And David's sitting next um Jonah's sitting next to him. Uh, And Jonah's, you know, just two years younger, and he's sitting there. Neither one of them can talk all that well, but Peyton can speak better than Jonah can. And in Peyton's little teeny arms, he's holding his brand new sister who was born a month early. And so she's like, just this little thing. And on the video, Peyton's talking to his grandma. And on the video, he says, Grandma, Jolie says uh, hello, but she doesn't say it because she's not real yet. <laughs> There's something along those lines. I kind of butchered a little bit. There was something along those lines. And then Jonah's sitting there, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't know. what He doesn't even know what his brother's saying, right? And then all of a sudden, Peyton goes, mwah, mwah, he kisses Jolie, kisses Jonah. And you look back at that, and you can't help but see, oh, my gosh, like the innocence that children have and the beauty that children have. It doesn't exist in us as adults because sin and hurt and pain start to overcome that. But then, then if you think about a a newborn baby like my sister's newborn son, his name's Heath, he's just a little guy, and if you ever notice something about children, they're really, really weak. Have you noticed that? Except for in one area, their lungs. Occasionally their diaper too. We won't go there. But they can scream. And why are they screaming most of the time? They're hungry. This is what Peter's saying. He's saying, okay, listen, if you're going to have this healthy community, saint upon saint, you have to be like a newborn infant and long for the spiritual milk. What happens to babies? First of all, once they're first born, you know, all of you who've ever had children, you know this, a newborn child has an insatiable desire to eat. And when that child doesn't eat, it gets incredibly grumpy, incredibly angry. Right? I I, I remember, man, seeing those little kids and thinking, precious, little, tiny, until they scream. And then you think to yourself, how, 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 how? And if you remember what it was like to try to teach your children to sleep, which we're still trying to figure out all these years later, We did this little five-minute, 10-minute thing. Did any of you do that? You know, you take your child, it's bedtime, and you lay him down in the crib, and inevitably because he wants mom, usually it's mom, not dad, he starts to scream or she starts to scream, right? And so we would wait five minutes. And during those five minutes, right, remember, Allie, how hard it was when we first did it? It was like, oh, man, I think we're abusing him. Right? And, and, and then you walk in after five minutes and you're like, finally, oh, it's okay, dude, I love you, I promise, I love you, bro. Right, And he's in there going, eh, 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 eh. and then you leave and you wait 10 minutes and you do it again and you keep doing it until they inevitably fall asleep. And if you're lucky, 12 years later, it still doesn't work. <laughs> One of the things you notice about a child when they're brand new, they have that strength. And they only have one intuition. They're mouthy, aren't they? Right? When, you hold, when I hold little baby Heath, I was hoping, this is why I was hoping he was in here, because I was going to see if I could attempt to hold him in my arms and see what he would do. But so far, every time I've held, as a new uncle, my little nephew, this is all he really does. It's all he does. Because he wants the food. He wants the comfort of mother. And notice what he says here. For us to be built saint upon saint, to have a healthy community, he says, You've got to long for spiritual milk. What is the spiritual milk? He's speaking specifically of the Word of God. He's saying to the church, he's saying to us, He's saying, You have to crave, desire, have a strong compulsion, a want an intense craving like a child, insatiable for the word of God, that you would immerse yourself into the word. Do you remember what David literally says in Psalms about this? He says, man, as a deer pants for the water, for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, God. The psalmist knew that to walk with the Lord is the end game. I want to walk with you, Lord. I, I'm like a deer that's been in the woods and it's been running, maybe even from prey, a little beat up from the wilderness around it. And so he craves water. And Peter's saying, you need to crave the word this way. Right? The idea is that, you don't, that, that, that you're not always in the word, but the word is always in you. Right, Mike? It, Mike's a big, big proponent for memorized scripture. Because one day, if God willing, and it's going to happen one day, maybe not to us, but one day it will, one day we will be persecuted for our faith like the first century church. And when they shove you in prison and you don't have a Bible because they won't give you one, sure helps to have it in your head, doesn't it? Sure helps to remind you of the goodness of God. What he's saying is you can't be healthy without the word. So you have to crave it. You have to feast on it. And you have to recognize that if you begin to get grumpy, whiny, complainy. it may be possible that it's because you're not feasting in the right way. We need to eat regularly and often. Joshua says this in chapter 1 verse 8 of his book, the book of the law, speaking of the Old Testament, but overall we know to be the lovely word of God, don't let it depart from your mouth. Don't let it leave you meditate on it, it says, day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for you will then make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Right? you see, he says, if you know the word of God and you live according to the word of God, one of the truisms of scripture is your life will be blessed. Obedience matters to the Lord, not to earn your salvation, but to show your gratitude for salvation and to recognize that the ways of the world don't lead to wholeness. They lead to isolation and depression. You know this. That's why you're here. That's why so many of you are inviting others to come because you don't want others to experience the loneliness and the depression and the anxiety of the world. Our world is not at peace in any way whatsoever, is it? It is so disrupted and so divided, and I think that's in part why churches like ours across the nation are growing. You'll hear people say, oh, yeah, 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 Christianity is decreasing uh, in the world or in America, and, and what's, if you look at those statistics even closer, what you really find is what's happening is, what's literally happening is we're getting rid of what's called the mushy middle. Have you heard me talk about this before? The mushy middle is is what's what's been considered when you would talk to an American and say, are you a Christian? What would Americans say? Yeah. But did they go to church? (laughs) No. Do do they believe in Jesus? They'd say, yeah. Do they believe in the Bible? Parts of it maybe. But the mushy middle is kind of, that's it. It's just mushy. And what's happened as the culture is turning more and more away from Christianity, those who are really not serious about faith are going away. And what is remaining are those who want more and more and more of Jesus. And as the culture sees that the culture cannot satisfy or satiate your desires, it will begin to look into the church and say, whoa, 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 they're eating differently. Their diet is different. The way they act is different. They have provision and strength that is different. Because isn't it true that, 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 and I think all of you know this, that mother's milk, has a particular abundance of antibodies in it. Did you know that? This is what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying listen, the word of God is, is to be likened as direct nutrition from the, from the exact source. It's pure, he says. It comes from the mother straight to the child. And nothing, it's, it's just true. And I know not everyone can do this in breastfeed, but for newborn children, the best thing that they can receive is mom's milk. What do they receive from mom when they drink mom's milk? All that she has to offer that is good and perfect, defends that baby, guards that baby. What's required of the baby? Sit there and enjoy the meal. Could you imagine what your faith would look like if you understood that Jesus isn't calling you to do as much as he's calling you to be. To be with him. To be in his presence. To sit on his lap. To let him be your father. And there's only one way you get to this place, friends. Look at verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. If indeed. Do you notice the if? You can circle it because that's a conditional statement because what he's saying is you cannot experience the spiritual milk. You cannot experience the spiritual milk unto salvation if you've never to say it the opposite way experienced or tasted that God is good. But you have to experience that God is good. You have to taste and see that God is good. Do you know how you taste God is good? You first have to taste that sin is bitter. Churches all over America are saying, you know, we don't, we don't even need to mention the word sin anymore. Andrew was telling me about a guy one time who said, you know what, he just, the pastor kind of refused to say the word sin and instead just used the word stuff. We all have stuff. Which we do. But stuff didn't nail Jesus to the cross. Sin did. Who sinned? Yours. That's good news. You say, that doesn't taste well. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear I'm a sinner. But in order to taste that God is good, you have to taste that sin isn't good. I told in the first service, and an older couple came up to me and said, they just were thankful that I shared the story that I'm about to share with you. They're just in tears. You know, they're in their 60s, and, and just, that's so hard to do. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, it's not hard for me to do at all. <laughs> Because I know where my identity is. I know my identity is in Jesus. I remember 20, 20 years old. How many of you guys remember being 20? You were dumb. You are real dumb. How many of you are 20? If you're a girl, you can, you're not dumb. But if you're a boy, you're dumb. There's no such thing as a 20-year-old smart boy. I don't think. Is there Lucas? Do you know? I know. I was just checking. I'm glad we agree. So here I am. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I live in Reno, Nevada at the time. Uh, My attempt was to walk on to to, uh, UNR to play football. I happened to get into bodybuilding at the same time. And uh, I, I got this little apartment, and it was sat right by Meadowood Mall. You know Meadowood Mall, right? People used to shop there. It was a place where people went. They would gather. They would eat. Sometimes you'd meet a guy there or a girl there, and you'd buy things. Remember that? Mall. Now you just do it online somehow. And so here's the mall, here's my apartment, here's 24 hour fitness. And that was a perfect place for me. I could go to the mall, I could eat, (laughs) because God knows I wasn't cooking my own meals. And then I would go across the street to 24 hour fitness. And I'd work that off, right? And one day, being a, a stupid 20 year old where I was, I turned my back on God. I knew who Jesus was. And I I just, the bitterness and the root of of bitterness and the forefather thing was all in my life. I just felt really down about who I was. And and so uh, I went out to go party with a friend of mine in what is now known as Grand Sierra Resort. And if you've been here long enough, you know that Grand Sierra Resort has been called like 18 different things. Right? Hilton, MGM, Bally's, you name it. You probably owned it at one time. It's just been through it, right? And so here I am. I'm, I think it was MGM at the time. I can't even remember. And, and I got totally hammered drunk. I just kind of drank myself into oblivion. Two, three o'clock rolls around. I decide to get in my car. And I'm drunk, man. I'm, I, I'm in no condition to drive. So I get in my, uh, my four-door Geo Metro. <laughs> four cylinders of pure power right? You know, if you, do you remember those Metros? Dude, I could go 120, down 80 like nobody's business. I don't recommend that. Uh, don't do it. So here I am, I'm, I'm in the car, I'm driving, and, and right by that place where 24-Hour Fitness is, and, and, and where the, the mall is is a four-way stop. And at three in the morning, I had, you know, a wonderful 20-year-old thought, which was, who needs to stop at three in the morning? And I blew right through that four-way stop, and guess what was sitting on the other side of that four-way stop? Bloop, bloop. Here I am. I pulls me over. I'm right by my apartment. I almost made it. He gets me out of the car, and he says to me, had anything to drink tonight? I kind of gave him one of those, like, you know. Yeah. How much? Two. It's always two, right? Yeah. Two sounds good. And then he tested me. He said, do you want to up that? And I've always was told, stick to your story. (laughs) Two. And he showed me I blew over the limit. He said, you you need to get a DUI. You're you're drunk. Man, I just felt in my guts like I could feel God there. God was telling me, you screwed up. You messed up. I had it in my mind that I would never touch alcohol because my father was an alcoholic. And here I am about to get a DUI. My whole life's about to change. My whole career path could not I'm so young, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just standing there with an officer looking at me, and I'm trying to tell him that I'm okay. And, and he looks at me, and, and I can, all I'm thinking about is God. I'm not thinking about the officer. I'm thinking about God talking to me. The Holy Spirit is in the moment. And he had his officer back in the car. She just was sitting back kind of watching. She wasn't nearby, and he looked back to make sure that she couldn't hear. And he said to me, the last thing you need at 20 years old is a DUI. Get in your apartment and stay in there. And I did. I walked up my stairs. Tears started to roll down my face. I got to the door. I pulled out my key. I began to put it into the lock, and I heard the Lord say, You see how gracious and loving I am? Obey me. I opened that door, and on the heels of that, I moved to San Diego, I went to a school of ministry, and I'm standing before you now again. Why? Because I've tasted the goodness of God. God tastes amazing. His grace tastes amazing. Unearned, unashamed favor from God. That's what this whole entire book is. If you want to re- read First Peter, it's all about God setting his affection upon you in spite of you. And Jesus made that possible by purchasing that freedom with his precious blood. That's why it tells us in in the rest of this passage that he is the cornerstone. He is the glue that holds it all together. He is the first, and he is the last, and all other stones are based off of that stone. And if we don't focus on the goodness of who Jesus is and the grace that God has given us, our community has no hope. But Peter goes even further as we close here in just a few moments. Peter begins to show us that identity of who we are as children. He says, you're a house. Right? The church isn't supposed to be a synagogue. It isn't supposed to be a place of religion. It's supposed to be a living room. I remember early on in ministry, our pastor in San Diego said that he had always tried to preach in a way where, where it felt like we were just sitting in a living room having a discussion about the goodness of Jesus. Now, I'm not him, and I know sometimes I yell too much for it to sound like it's in a living room. But the reality is still the truth of what we want. We want this place to feel like home for you. But he also tells us in verse 5 that you're a priesthood. How's that for an identity punch? How's that to just say, you know, do you identify yourself as a priest? I mean, people call me pastor. Back in the day, people used to call me Rev. In San Diego, everyone like, what's up, Rev? It's kind of a joking thing, kind of a fun thing. And and even on my ordination, for whatever reason, it says, Reverend Jesse Richardson. And it doesn't, you know, you're not laughing, but in my mind, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Every time I look at my ordination, I can't help but giggle. (laughs) Reverend. The reality is, is all of us are priests. Do you know that? What was the function of priests in the Old Testament? To give sacrifices on behalf of the people that they would be forgiven. And the New Testament says the same thing. You now are to be a priesthood to offer sacrifices. And what are the sacrifices we offer? Romans tells us that we offer our bodies as a sacrifice. God, here's my body. Here's my energy. Here's my essence. I give it to you. Use me. We've talked about service. Will has come up here. He's mentioned service. I don't know who's in the room, but I'm hoping and praying the Holy Spirit has gone out and said, you know what? You should do this. And in your mind, I know how it is. Anytime we talk about this stuff, well, I got this going on, and I got this going on, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. When are you just going to lay that aside and be like, Lord, you're more important than all that? I want to serve you. How about financial and material gifts? to spread the gospel. That's what Philippians 4.18 is all about. You have a financial obligation with your treasure, your time, and your talent to give as a sacrifice that the kingdom of God would be propagated and defended. Do you know what else it tells us? It tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, that we would offer a sacrifice of praise, that we would sing. Do you know that, that, that by you singing, that's a sacrifice unto the Lord? I mean, again, to mention—I mentioned it a couple weeks ago—and I just—it's just celebratory. But our worship team in the last several weeks have just been, mm, yeah, <laughs> really good, really good. And, and in part, they've just—man—they want to—they—they want to do it well. I mean, there, there's some folks up here doing worship now that I don't even know them. I don't know who they are because our our church is growing too fast, and I'm just like, well. They're they're here now. They're part of the family. And they're singing to the Lord to give God glory. That is something that we do. That's something that marks us as different. Christians should like to sing even if you're not good at singing. We still want to hear your voice. You're a house. You're a priesthood. Verse 9, if you go further down, says you're a holy nation. You're a new people. We no longer say men are better than women or women are better than men or one race is better than another. This is all in Scripture. But rather, there's one new nation under Christ. Our residence is in heaven, not in this earth. Which means that the church has its own culture, its own way of living, a way of love. We, as Christians, should deal with our money differently, sex differently, gender differently, politics, family. Everything in Christ is redone and remade to be used in non-destructive ways to show the world what Jesus is like. You know, Will may have stood up here and said, hey, here's an opportunity for young life, but at the same time, there are so many other opportunities that God is calling you to, to glorify him. There are children in this room this morning, God is calling you to glorify God by obeying your parents and listening to what they say. For those of you who are parents, God's calling you to parent your children in a way that glorifies God. For those of you that are married, God's calling you to live in such a way that is sacrificial and life-giving for your spouse. For those of you that are single, God's telling you that he values singleness. Did you know that, by the way? Paul says to be single is a gift because then you don't have any other thing to distract you or to keep you unfocused. And so we say to those of you that are single, we have a place for you. You have a place here. Did you know that? I know it sometimes can feel hard, and I'm just speaking specifically and pastorally to those of you who are single because our church is overrun with families and children, and we want that, don't we? We want that, to value life, to value the goodness of God. And so we become this community, this holy nation that views the world differently. That's what we're called to do. And as I close, I just want to take you to one last place. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. One last place, and I want to end with this piece of Scripture because um, ultimately, this is what we want to be. This is the end game. This is what we're shooting for. And I want you to do me a favor because we're going to sing right after this, so... Would you stand with me? As just as We're going to get ready to leave here in a few moments. Stand with me as we read it. Worship team, you guys can make your way up here, and I'll close right after I read this, and we can sing together. But this is a great picture of the kind of community that, that God wants us to be. So if you could just imagine what this would look like for you, and it would look like for me in our church, look at Romans 12, verse 9. Let love... Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord, we trust you that you will give us a spirit-empowered ability to walk in new community. Help us to get rid of the sin in our lives, the malice, the deceit, the envy, slothfulness, the lack of zeal. May we all throw it to the side and instead see that you taste good. I pray this morning that anyone this morning who is here who has not had the opportunity to give their faith to you, that they right now would... Listen carefully to my words and understand that we are saved by proclaiming you as our Savior and believing in faith, nothing else. There isn't a prayer that saves us. There isn't a deed that saves us, Lord. It's our faith in you alone, Jesus alone, that leads to salvation. And I pray this morning that if anyone is in that place that they would find themselves secure in you they would give their lives to you and walk with you from this day forward forevermore overcoming evil with not just good but the gospel for that is the definition of good we trust you for it in Jesus name Amen
0: Let's sing your love
1: never fails